What's up, everybody? How you doing? This is the Sunday that you get an extra hour of sleep. Unless you're me. Because what I do is I say, oh, I'm getting an extra hour of sleep today. And then I stay up like three hours later. Oh, we'll just, I'm just going to watch this movie because I get an extra hour of sleep, right? So I'm working on a two-hour sleep deficit right now. <laughs> um, today's an awesome day. I am so pumped. I, I just got to sit through first service, which was absolutely incredible. So I know what you're in store for for this one. This is like a movie that is so good. You watch it a bunch of times over and over and over. Today's going to be really awesome. Before I introduce our guest speaker for the day, um, we had an election Tuesday. After every election, we pray for the leaders who, who have won. And so, um, and so with this election, Governor-elect Youngkin and the first black woman lieutenant governor of Virginia. And I believe it's the first Latino uh, attorney general of, of Virginia as well, which is really awesome. So, um, so let's just take a moment and pray for them. Uh, God, God, we thank you that, um, that the Bible says that you put leaders into authority. And so the Bible also tells us that we're to, we're to pray for those who are in authority. And so God, right now, we just pray for the governor-elect the lieutenant governor-elect, our attorney general, God, in all the local elections, all the, all the districts, and everyone who's stepping into office, God, I pray that your hand would be upon them, that you would lead them, that you would guide them. God, I pray that where, wherever they are in their relationship with God, their relationship with you, that you would pull them closer, that leadership would not draw them away from God, but it would draw them towards God. God, I pray for wisdom. I pray for a steady hand. I pray for um, for wise counsel. I pray that you would lead and guide them. And God, I pray that you would uh, just touch our state, touch our country, God. We've been through some, some crazy divisive times. And God, I just pray that you would bring healing and unity to our country. That um, I, really, I, I'm not just praying healing and unity for healing and unity's sake. God, I pray for revival and that Jesus would unify our country. I pray that as revival hits our country, as we return to the word of God, to the truth of God, to the obedience of God, that you would heal our land, God. And, and, uh, and so, God, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that your hand is going to be upon these leaders and upon our state and our country. In Jesus' name, come on. Everyone said amen, amen, amen. Okay, so I met our guest speaker for today, Alex Sagat. I met him uh, back in March. I was on a trip, Nathan Finocchio invited me to this pastor's get-together that he was having in Palm Springs. Ah, darn, it was awful. Palm Springs, California, and a golf trip, and I don't golf, but I do Palm Springs, okay? So, so, um, so I, I went out to Palm Springs, and I met Alex, and you know, the first night we're there, we're kind of meeting people and talking, and I kind of told a little bit about my story of just like the last couple of years of our church and the transition and everything that we've been through, and so I was just kind of telling him a little bit about that, and he was like, oh, dude, like, let me tell you about my story. And he starts telling me about his story. And he had a very similar experience a couple years before. Actually, I say very similar, far worse experience a couple years before. And, and uh, I was so encouraged by his spirit of faith and perseverance and his spirit of, yeah, you know, this came at us and this came at us and this was thrown at us and this person was saying this and this person was doing that. But we kept at it and we kept building. And and their church, he said, you know, our church feels healthier than ever. It feels better than ever. And, and so I just loved our time talking and, and hanging out. And it really encouraged me. And I think that Alex and his wife, Diana, who's also here with us today, I, I think I like Diana better than you, actually. 
after after talk after meeting her last night, um, uh, next time we'll have her come up and speak. Um, so uh, so just they they are so faith filled and full of uh, like keep at it, stay faithful, keep moving, keep and they're they're really fun. I would never bring you guest speakers who are no fun. Okay, I'm gonna bring you fun people, normal human beings. Okay. And so would you help me welcome from Miami, Florida, Alex Sagat, as he comes to preach this morning. Life Co., how's everybody doing this morning? Come on, everybody feeling good this morning? Anybody glad to be in church on a Sunday morning? Come on. There's nothing like the house of God. Come on, the psalmist says, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. There's nothing like it. And uh, you guys are blessed. You guys get to go to the house of the Lord in good weather and uh, with good looking people. So we're glad to be here. My name is Alex and I'm with my wife, Diana. We're all the way from Miami, Florida, where it is hot, humid, muggy, uh, 98% of the year. We have two days where it goes down to 60 degrees. Other than that, it's 99 degrees all year long. And so, uh, but we're glad to be here. Uh, like Kyle mentioned, we met earlier this year and uh, absolutely connected as soon as we started started talking, mentioned to me some of the things that had happened in the church. And uh, like he said, yeah, we went through a similar situation five years ago. Uh, today, the church is strong. It's healthy. It's doing amazing. We are thriving and changing and impacting a city for the kingdom of God. Amen. And so I believe that the best is yet to come for this church. I believe there's a city to reach. I believe there's people to love. And I believe God has called this church you for such a time as this. I really believe that. And getting to meet Kyle and his wife, Kenzie, and now the rest of the team. Can I tell you, you have such an incredible leadership team. You have two of the best leaders on the planet, along with incredible leaders, elders, staff. Come on, can you make some noise for the entire team, your pastors? Love on them, pray for them, help them. Like, they are absolutely stellar. They're amazing, and I love it. We had so much fun last night. We were all hanging out, and we talked about how our wives are always the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so I've learned my lesson. I'm with a Colombian queen now. Come on. Going on. This month, the 21st, 12 years of marriage. Come on. And so... Um, I love my wife. No kids yet, but I'm praying Virginia does a revival in our life. And uh, <laughs> that's awkward. Um, we've wanted to wait a few years. And so a few years turned to 12 years. Uh, but we actually talked and we said, this is the time in Jesus' name. So hopefully soon we'll come back. We have two dogs. We have two dogs. One is saved. The other one's lost his mind. And uh, she's possessed. And so pray for her. But... Uh, we're loving life, and I love my wife. She is absolutely way better preacher than me. She is uh, stunning and better to look at, too. So, um, yeah, hopefully next time you get a better-looking person. Uh, but uh, we're, we're glad to be here. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for uh, we feel like this is home, and uh, it feels awesome to be here today. The team says hello. They, they're texting, sending pictures, and we're sending them the temperature in Virginia, and they are hitting life. 
excited about today. I'm going to share a quick word, and, and we're going to spend just a few minutes in God's word, and hopefully it'll encourage you the way it encouraged us. And uh, God spoke to us through these passages, and so I'm praying that today, no matter how you walked in here, we can walk out of here different in Jesus' name, better than how we came in. I really think that's how church and God's presence should be. We leave better, even if he challenges us. Come on, we leave growing and uh, knowing him better. Grab your Bibles and go to the book of Acts chapter 27. Go to Acts chapter 27. The book of Acts, it's after the book of John. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's Matthew, Marky, Mark. Uncle Luke, little John, and then you have Acts. Go to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. As you're going there, why don't you look at the person sitting next to you and tell them, I'm so glad that you are sitting next to me this morning. Come on, smile at somebody. Encourage somebody. Look at the other person, the person you ignored the first time, and tell them, I want to let you know you're sitting next to the best-looking person this morning. Come on. <laughs> Acts chapter, we say this to Manny, church should be the most encouraging place in the world. Like the world's full of a bunch of like condescending people and people that discourage. You should come in here and just tell somebody, you look thinner. You look great. Your hair is growing back. You look phenomenal. Like just make somebody feel good. You know what I'm talking about? Encourage somebody next to you today. Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. We actually studied the book of Acts about a month ago in our church and we went through the entire book. And uh, this last section really spoke to my heart and helped me out, and I hope it helps you out. We're picking up the story. Paul, who uh, became an incredible leader of the church, is traveling on the way to Rome. He's been wanting to get to Rome to preach the gospel in Rome because he knows if he gets to an influential city, he can preach the gospel to influential people, especially Caesar and everybody that was part of the emperor's palace. So he's been dreaming, praying, had a vision for Rome. And so we're picking up the story as he's getting ready to go on the way. He's on the ship, and he's on the way to Rome, finally. That's where we're at. Go down to verse uh, 18. If you're there, can you say a strong amen? Acts 27, verse 18, it says, We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days... And the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Have you ever given up all hope? Given up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you, to keep up your courage. Come on, that's a good word right there. Keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. I love it. Paul is full of hope. Paul is full of confidence. Paul is full of faith. Out of those small verses, we're only going to stop right there today. We're only going to read those verses. Uh, today, if you're taking notes, whether it's on an iPhone or a notebook or anything, today I want to talk to you from this topic, this title, Shake It Off. Shake It Off. 
why don't you slap three, four people around you and tell them, shake it off. Shake it off. I know we got an hour extra, but you overslept. Shake it off. Come on. No, you haven't had coffee yet, but shake it off. Shake it off. Maybe it's a subheading. Storms, shipwrecks, and snakes. Storms, shipwrecks, and snakes. We're going to talk about this for the next 20-something minutes. Then we'll worship one more time with your incredible worship team. And then, uh, yeah, come on. Make some noise for your worship team. And then um, we'll have an incredible Sunday. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your love and your mercy toward us and with us. Thank you, God, for this household of faith. Thank you for this family, this community across the different services and across online. Thank you for Life Co. I pray that you continue to bless them. Thank you for our time together today. Speak to us, Lord. Help us to see you and understand you better. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Thank you for loving people like us. We, don't, we can't earn it, and we definitely don't deserve it, but you are kind and good to us. We love you, and we thank you, and all of God's people say... Oh, come on, all of God's people say, can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. There's a story of a king who decides to hold a painting contest to see who could paint the perfect painting of peace in his town. The word goes out around town that the king is looking for this painting and all the creators, all the painters, all the artists begin to submit their paintings on what is the perfect painting of peace. And after some time, they narrow it down to two final paintings. They bring the paintings into the court of the king, and the king shows up that day to see the final two paintings on the perfect painting of peace. They unveil the first one, and the first one is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, this is a beautiful painting, it is a serene lake surrounded by mountains. It has a beautiful sunset. There's blue skies that are turning into pink hues. I mean, just the absolutely gorgeous painting. And it, it, you can feel like this is the painting. Everybody gasped. <gasps> beautiful. This is amazing. This is the perfect painting of peace. How could this not win? The king goes on to the second one, and they unveil the second one. Now, the second one is a darker painting. The second one, it's a gloomy painting. You can tell there's lightning in the background. It's full of dark clouds. There's been a rainstorm. It, it, like, it's a dark, chaotic painting. People are bewildered. They can't understand. They, they're, they're like, how is this a painting of peace? It looks like there's a huge waterfall. It's not a peaceful, nice waterfall. It's a chaotic waterfall. Water seems to be splashing. You get the sense that this is a bad time uh, of the year. And yet the king looks a little bit closer, and he realizes there is a bird in a hole in the cliff, and the bird is perfectly still, sitting over its eggs in a nest, and he says, this is the perfect painting of peace. People can't understand, and he says, peace it's not what's on the outside. Peace is how you can remain on the inside, even in the midst of bad situations. Today, I want to tell you that you can be surrounded by circumstances, yet not surrender to the chaos around you. 
Come on, I want to tell you this morning that peace is not based on circumstances, but peace is based on internal conviction that you know God is for you, that you know God's got you, even when all hell is breaking loose around you. I know the God that I serve. I know who's on my side, and I have peace in my soul. Can I get an amen? That's perfect peace. The problem that happens is that we allow exterior crisis to turn into interior chaos. We allow the situations around us to get in our soul, to get in our heart, to get in our mind. There's problems around us. All hell is breaking loose. Life seems to be going crazy. The kids have lost their mind. The husband is not the same. The wife looks like she's going crazy. It looks like our finances are dry. It looks like my health is in problem. It looks like the marriage may not make it. And I allow that to get into the inside. And now I've lost my peace because I've made my peace circumstantial, not based on convictions of God's word. And it's gotten on the inside. Sometimes that's why you got to be careful who you're surrounded by, who's around you, and who is speaking into your life. Because the Bible says that faith comes by speaking and speaking the word of God, who is speaking into your life. Faith is not based by what I see. Faith is what I believe. I have faith because God is with me. I have peace because I know that his promises are true. And sometimes we could be surrounded by some of the worst people who just can't believe that you started a relationship. You're going to life code. You go to church. What is church on a Sunday morning? I don't know. It's NFL Sunday. I don't know how you're in church. How can you go to church? You lost your job last week. What do you mean you tithe and offering? What's a tithy? I've never heard of a tithy in my life. I don't know how you give tithes and offerings when you're going through all those struggles. How are you? What do you mean you're posting about church when you're going through this sickness and this disease? People can't understand it and people are full of negativity. They have no no hope, no faith, and they're speaking that into your life. And if you're not careful, that kind of stuff will get into your spirit, into your heart, into your mind. And if you're not careful, your faith and your hope will get low because you're surrounded by people that don't have faith and don't have hope. And I don't know what you're doing in church. And I don't know how you worship God. I don't need to go as God is real. Sometimes you need to kick some people out of your life for a season and say, I need some people around me that have faith on the inside. I need some people around me that have a word of God in their heart. I need some people to pray for me and pick me up when I'm falling down or you with me this morning? I don't know what you're doing in church. Get out of my life for a season. I need people that speak hope and faith into my heart. I'm not allowing what's on the outside to get on the inside. I shared this story uh, with my nephews years ago. We don't have kids. We have dogs. So uh, right now I enjoy my nephews because I can do whatever I want and give them back to my sister and my brother. And so I took my nephews and uh, we were on this trip. Like we went to go eat ice cream, went to the mall. Then we went to a car wash and they were so young that I think they'd never seen a car wash in their life. We go through the automatic car wash and they're like, oh, Theo, this is awesome. This is amazing. They couldn't believe that all this stuff was happening on the outside and it wasn't. It's funny. Like nowadays we hate car washes. Like I don't even want to go back to car wash. Like, but when you're little, you, you're fascinated by all this stuff. How is it not getting inside? The windows are up. Oh, my God, their faces were up against the glass. If you put the windows down, all that stuff will get on the inside, right? All those things will start hitting your face. What do they call all those wheelbarrows, all those plastic things? They'll be hitting your face, right, because you had the windows down. Sometimes you need the windows up of your soul and say, for a season, I'm listening to God's word. For a season, I'm surrounded by my crew. For this season, I can't let the outside get on the inside. Today, I wonder if there's some stuff that's getting inside your soul. It's gotten in your heart. You're sitting here this morning. You're watching online, but faith is low. Hope is gone. You're saying, Alex, I've allowed the circumstances around me to get inside of me. I'm going through some difficult situations in my life, and it's gotten into my heart, my soul, and my mind. 
because I've allowed the waters to get inside. I was reading and one author was talking about how boats were designed and engineered to withstand any storm. A, a boat was not designed to sink. It's not the waters around it that causes it to sink. It's the waters that get inside that cause it to sink. In fact, the author said this about boats. He said, all the water in the oceans cannot sink a ship unless it gets inside. Nor can all the trouble in the world harm us unless it gets within us. If an engineer can make a boat that, that could withstand all the waters in the world, I want to tell you, you have a God that designed you, that made you, that made your soul, your mind, and on top of that, he's with you. Come on, you're better than a boat. You're better than a cruise liner. God made your soul to withstand with hope and hold fast to the confession that he's a good God. He's on your side, and he will not let you go. Can I get an amen? You got to be resilient and say, I will stand no matter what. I believe he's with me. He's on my side. And if God be for me, nothing can stand against me all the days of my life. Can I get an amen? In fact, I put it this way. I said, you can be surrounded by trouble, yet stable in peace. You can be surrounded by trouble this morning, yet know your God is the God of the impossible. Be stable in peace. I'm surrounded by circumstances that don't make sense, yet God is on my side. I will stand and believe and confess God's word no matter what. Can I get an amen? amen? The book of Acts is absolutely incredible. If you haven't read the book of Acts, go through the book of Acts. Read it on your personal time. It's a movie. It's, abs it's full of action. It is incredible. It's better than any Netflix series you can binge on. What's the latest one everybody's binging on? What's it called? Squid Games. Yeah, how do you guys know about that? Squid Games. Like, binge on the book of Acts. It is absolutely amazing. It's a thriller. And you realize in Acts chapter 1 how Jesus resurrected from the dead. He's not dead. He's alive. Can I get an amen? And he's hanging out with the disciples, and he ascends into heaven. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls. The church comes alive. Acts chapter 3, Peter is now the leader of the church. They're involved in community. They're taking care of the widow, the orphans, the strangers. And the church is spreading out from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all throughout the ends of the earth. Right in the middle of the book of Acts, Paul now becomes the leader, and he goes on missionary journeys, planting churches everywhere. And it's absolutely incredible how the fathers of our faith took the gospel to the ends of the world. Paul is now leading the church. He goes on one missionary journey. The church moves from Jerusalem to Antioch because there's a whole lot of persecution and problems. It's the center of the church. Paul always goes back to Antioch. But the entire time, he wants to make it to Rome because Rome was the known capital city of the world. Everybody wanted to go to Rome. Everybody wanted to get to Rome. It was a buzzing city. It was alive. It was huge. It was the place to be in. And Paul says, if I get to Rome, I can preach to Caesar. I can spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. He goes on a second missionary journey. The third missionary journey, he knows this is time now for me to go to Rome. He realizes if he goes down to Jerusalem, people tell him, if you go down to Jerusalem, there's people that hate you because you're preaching the gospel. They are going to throw you in prison if you go down to Jerusalem, and they might even kill you. But Paul was so focused on his call. He was sold out to the call of God over his life that in Acts chapter 20, he says, I consider my life nothing. My life is of no value. And what I value is to take the grace of God and the gospel of God to the ends of the world. This morning, I ask you, what do you value in your life? What do you value the most in your life? 
what you value the most in your life is what you will put your energy, your time, your resources, and your finances into it. Like, I value this thing. Paul just didn't talk the talk. He walked the talk. You know what I'm talking about? He, he walked it out. He said, I value this. My life is of no value. I don't care about cars. I don't care about clothes. I don't care about any of that. I value building God's kingdom. He was sold out to it. Some of us, we say we value our families, yet we spend no time with our families. You following me? Some of us say, I value my spouse. That's my sugar foot, my honey boo-boo. I love my spouse, right? But the last time you took her on a date was 15 years ago to Piccadilly. <laughs> Remember Piccadilly? Right? I love my kids, but you spend more time in your business than you do with your kids. What do you value in your life? I love the kingdom of God. I invest in the kingdom of God. You know what you value? Look at your checking book, and what, you'll see what you value in your life. Go look at your checkbook. What do you spend the most money on? That's what you value. Some of us, we looked in the past, and we're like, I value Starbucks so much. I mean, I'm building the kingdom of car, Starbucks. I mean, I've invested. So I'm a stockholder in Starbucks. Like, I didn't even know I invested this much, right? right. What, what you value, you will put your time, your energy, your presence, your finances into it. Paul says, I value the kingdom of God. No matter what may come, I'm building the kingdom of God because I value it. I'm giving to it. I'm involved in it. He says, I'm going to Rome no matter what. And surely he gets to Jerusalem. They imprison him. There's a plot to kill him. You got to read the book of Acts. And we don't have time to get into the details. But there's a plot to kill Paul in Jerusalem. So literally by night they have to hide him. And they take him to this city called Caesarea that's on the coast of Israel. And while he gets there, he, he appeals to Caesar, meaning I'm a Roman citizen. I get to talk to the Caesar and plead my case because he knows that's how he'll get to Rome. And they said, okay, you'll get there. But first they make him serve a two-year prison sentence. He wants to go to Rome, yet he has to serve a two-year prison sentence. Imagine God gives you a promise, and God has a call over your life, yet you have to wait two years for it. Some of us can't wait two months for a promise of God. Some of us have been waiting for two weeks, and we've already given up all hope on God's promises. God, it's been two weeks. I'm still single. I got no husband, no profile likes on my Christian mingle. I got nothing. God, where you at? Come on. Like, it's been two weeks. I, I quit. No hubby, no sugar foot, no honey boo-boo. God, it's been two months, and I'm still sick. God, it's been two years, and I'm still broke. God, it's been two years, and I'm still going through this problem. God, it's been 24 months, and I'm still going through this situation. Can you still hold on to the promise of God, even when all hell is breaking loose. Can you hold on to God's promise even when it's not on your time because it's his time and his time is better than our time. Can I get an amen? Oh, can you hold on to the promise even if it's delayed because you're not denied. You're just delayed. Wait on God's promise. He's faithful. He's not a liar. He's a God who will fulfill all of his promises. Paul knows God is going to send him to Rome, yet before he gets to Rome, he's two years in Caesarea as a prisoner. God, where you at? You told me you were going to take me to Rome, and here I am in prison. If I were Paul, I'll quit the ministry. I'm not preaching to Caesar, little Caesar. He can stay with all his pizza making people. I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> after two years, after two years, they finally get Paul on a boat, and he's finally going to Rome to preach the gospel. Finally, God came through. <laughs> Finally, sometimes it looks like God's promises arrive, but they don't arrive how you look, how you thought they were going to look like. You thought it was going to be smooth sailing to Rome. <laughs> you thought the husband was going to show up with no problems. You thought the wife was going to come with no issues. 
Only some of us got blessed. Baby, you got no issues. You're amazing. You thought the kids were going to come with no problems. You thought the business was going to come with no kind of attacks. You thought you were going to start serving and all of hell was going to rejoice. All hell is coming against you because you're on the road to destiny. Paul gets on the ship. He tells the men, don't sail this way. They don't listen to him. And we pick up the story where a storm breaks out on their journey to Rome. It's not a storm like a little storm. It's a hurricane. Literally, in the Greek, it's the word cyclone. It's a hurricane that breaks out on their journey. A storm breaks out. What do you do when life hands you a storm? What do you do when you are in the midst of serving God, being faithful to God, you're going to crew, you're worshiping, yet life hands you a hurricane? From the book of Acts and from the life of Paul, we learned the first thing you could write this down is that there is growth in the storms. Somebody say growth. There is growth in the storms. Paul is on his way to Rome, and yet the biggest hurricane breaks out. In fact, the Bible says that it is called the Northeastern Storm. It's not called Wilma. It's not called any of these cute names that give storms. It's the Northeastern. Like that alone sounds terrifying. Like, God, are you serious? The biggest storm of life broke out on my way to destiny, on my way to serving God. All hell broke loose. What do you do when a hurricane comes against you in the midst of you serving your God? Do you quit? Do you give up? Or do you hold fast to your confession that God is good? He's with you and he'll see you through the storm. Is what I tell you this morning is that storms will come. It's not if they come, it's when they come. Like sometimes you can try to avoid a storm, you can try to evade a storm. In Miami, we love storms. Like we're crazy. They throw, they throw hurricane parties down in Miami. Unless it's a category four and up, they, Miami, they're like, they're barbecuing in the midst of a category two. I'm like, you got pray for them. Pray for the pray for the city of Miami, right? But when it's a category four and up, we get in the truck and we go up to Orlando, Jacksonville, we get to Atlanta, we get away from Miami. Some storms you could evade, other storms you're gonna have to go through them. There's a certainty of storms. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He never promised that there wouldn't be trouble. In fact, you want to hold on to a promise? Here's a promise. There's trouble coming up. <laughs> we all claim all kinds of promises except that one. I'll skip that one. Let me go to another promise of God. No, there's a, tr there's a promise that trouble will come, but there's a greater promise that he's with us even in the storm. A storm will break out in your life. Sooner or later, whether you're serving God or not, life will hand you a punch in the gut. And a storm will break out. There's certainty of storms. What do we do when we go through the storm? What do we do when all hell breaks out against us? God, I thought I was serving you. I thought you were faithful. I thought you spoke your word into my life. And I thought you were going to be with me. I thought you were never going to leave me nor forsake me. Not only can you know about the, the certainty of storms, you can have confidence in the storm. Paul had a certain confidence about him in the middle of the storm because God had given him a word. I want to tell you that the word of God is like an umbrella in the middle of a storm. Oh, you have an umbrella. There's protection. 
And yes, it's raining. And yes, the wind is howling. And you ever have one of those umbrellas that they look like they, they, they're for no good, but you, you keep getting wet and the wind is still getting you. And you're like, what? did I buy this umbrella in the flea market, right? But at least you got some kind of protection in the middle of the storm. In the middle of the storm, you need to get a word from God over your life that serves as protection that you know, no matter what I'm facing, he promised that he would be with me. He gave me a word a long time ago that he would be with me, that he would see me through whatever life handed me. You need a word in your life. And why Paul was so confident is because all the way in the book of Acts chapter 23, this is chapters before verse 11, it says, the following night the Lord stood by Paul and said, take courage for as you have testified to facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. In other words, before the storm broke out, before he got on the boat, before he served two years in, in Caesarea, way before, years before, the Lord had given him a promise. That's why when the storm came years later, God said, Paul said, I know my God and I know the word he spoke over my life. You need a word from God over your life so that when the storm comes tomorrow or it may be two years later, you can look back and say, I got a God who gave me a word. I got a God who gave me a promise and I may be facing a storm right now, but I got a promise in the middle of the storm and I'm certain in the middle of it. Can I get an amen? Oh, Paul says it's not going to shake me because God gave me a word. He said I was getting to Rome. And I'm getting to Rome one way or another. No matter the storm that breaks out, no matter what I go through, he gave me a promise. He gave me a promise that me and my house will serve the Lord. I know my kids have lost their mind right now. I know my husband is not coming with me to church. But sooner or later, I got a word from God that it's coming even in the middle of the storm. Can I get an amen? Look what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 25 verse 4. For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in distress, a shelter from the storm, and a shade from the heat. Come on, how good is God's word? Get a promise from God. Somebody told me recently there's 7,000 promises in the word. Get one for your life and let it be a shelter in the storm. Shade from the heat. There's certainty in storms, but you can have confidence in the middle of the storms because also... The storms come to reveal your character. Can I tell you, you can grow in the middle of storms. There's people who want no storms in their life. They pray, God, you are a good God. Daddy, Sky Daddy. <laughs> Have you heard that one? Sky Daddy. <laughs> Sky Daddy, I love you so much. God, I want to avoid all kinds of situations, turbulence, and problems. Can you bring no storms in my life? I want a good life. God, I want no problem, no storms. God, keep me safe. But, but it's the storms that come to make us stronger. It's the storms that bring maturity. You don't want to get to 80, 90 years old, never going through battles of your faith. I want to get to 80 or 90 years old and my faith has been tested. My faith has been proved by God. God has seen me through every single battle. There's a saying that says, smooth seas never made a skilled sailor. Come on, I'm going to get old in age. Look down at my family and say, come on, stand up. I've been through it too. I'm going to tell you he's faithful. He saw me through. And if he saw me through, he will see you through as well. Can I get an amen? Paul stood up as the leader now. First, he goes as a prisoner into the boat. There's over 200 men in the boat, and Paul is one of the prisoners. Now the storm breaks out, and Paul stands up as the leader. And he's like, men, nothing's going to happen because God gave me a promise. The storm came to show leadership over his life. 
God is perhaps allowing something in your life because it's in that season of your life that he wants to raise you up as the leader of your household, as a leader in your community, to show your faith that you're a man of God and a woman of God. You're going to have friends looking at you and say, how can they stand strong even when they've gone through all kinds of hell because God made you a leader and God came to build your character and reveal your character in moments of crisis that you are a firm believer and you stand on the promises no matter what. It's building my confidence. It's revealing my character. I'm not saying they're pretty. I'm not saying they're nice, but it's the storm that's going to take me to another level of leadership. When I, tell, when I want to tell you, Richmond, Virginia doesn't need more Christians that have gone through nothing. It needs Christians who've been tested and approved by faith. I don't know about anything else, but I know that life code is full of people who stand on the word of God. And that'll start spreading to every neighborhood, every office, every business. You heard of this church called Life Code? Those people are crazy. They just stand on God's word. I've never seen confidence like that before. They've gone through all kinds of hell, yet they're still standing, yet they're still worshiping, yet they're still giving, yet they're still helping the community. Come on, because there's growth in the storm. Paul, he encourages the men. He literally becomes a leader in the middle of crisis. And if a storm isn't bad enough, now the Bible says that the ship, it runs aground. Literally, they hit some rocks and some lands because they were close to shore. The boat gets stuck. There's waves crashing against the boat. And the next thing that happens is a shipwreck. The boat completely begins to fall apart. Like, God, you put me two years in Caesarea. Then you send a hurricane my way. And now the boat falls apart. Are you serious, God? Sometimes God will allow things to break apart in your life to show that he's all you need. Because there's growth in the storm. And number two, there's revelation in the shipwreck. Somebody say revelation. God is going to reveal to you that he's all you needed in the first place. And he will allow the ship to break apart to show that Jesus is all you need. He will let friendships break apart. He will allow relationships to break apart. And some of us, we're crying over the same thing that we don't need in our life anymore. And God's like, I'm trying to get you to move on. You don't need those friends in the first place. You didn't need that relation. I saved you from some headaches you can't even imagine. And sometimes all you have left is a piece of wood to hang on to. And you're like, are you serious, God? Look what the Bible says. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 27, verse 43. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. The ship broke apart, and all they had left was a piece of the boat, a piece of wood, a plank, and they were floating on a plank. You ever felt like life? You're just floating by a plank. God, everything else has broken loose. I was like, yeah, I needed that career to fall through because you were too, you were, you were worshiping a career instead of worshiping your God. You were worshiping that salary more than you were worshiping your God. You thought the thing that was going to save you was the boat, but the boat wasn't going to save you. The thing that was going to save you was the Jesus who resurrected for you. You thought it was the relationship. You thought it was the friendship. You thought it was a career. You thought it was good health. You thought it was a good marriage. But all along, I just needed to show you that a good marriage doesn't save you, that a good career doesn't save you, that a big salary is not the healer, is not the savior. There's only one, the one that died on a piece of tree, that same piece of tree that we hang on to. He's the only savior. He's the only redeemer. He's the only boat that can withstand us in the storm there's revelation in brokenness we hate brokenness 
Oh, come on. Especially Americans. If something breaks, we throw it away and we buy something new. But God usually breaks things before he uses them. And so sometimes God needs to break us so that we break apart from all the idols in our life and say, you don't need that. You don't need this. You don't need any of this. I need you broken because God is close to those who are broken in spirit. There's blessing in breaking. And we think that broken is a bad thing. God's like, no, I need you broken. And sometimes the one he uses mightily are the ones he breaks deeply. Today, if you're in a breaking season, he's allowing it because he's showing you if Jesus is all you got, Jesus is all you need. The Bible says they're hanging on to pieces of wood and they end up in this island called Malta. Malta. Can I tell you, that's not a nice island. That's not Hawaii, Maui, <laughs> Jamaica, Malta. Malta was not a cruise destination. Malta was an, in fact, the Bible says that if you keep reading Acts chapter 27, they're holding on to pieces of wood. They get to this island. When they get to the island, the island is full of barbarians, the Bible says. Literally in the Greek, barbarians. You know what that means? Cannibals. If I'm Paul, I'm like, God, enough is enough. Like, you know, first I go to Jerusalem, they take me to prison, then I go two years in Caesarea, then I get a hurricane, then the boat falls apart, now I got cannibals that want to eat me. God, I quit ministry. I'm not serving, I'm not going anywhere. Forget little Caesar, forget his pizza, forget the pasta. I'm going back to Jerusalem. They get in Malta, but yet in Malta, Sometimes a shipwreck will redirect your life and leave you in a place that you may not like, but it's in that place that God wants to use you the most. Malta was not where Paul thought he was going to end up. Yet in Malta, he keeps serving. The Bible says that on the island, the barbarians are actually gracious to them. Sometimes God will use the, the, the craziest people in your life, the ones you expect the least, to bless you the most. And in Malta, the Bible says that Paul is serving. They're building a fire, and he's picking up wood, and he's building the fire. Maybe your life doesn't look like you thought it was going to look like. Maybe you're upset because the job hasn't come through, or you lost a job, or you're on the other side of a divorce. You've gone through loss, grief. You're on the other side of sickness. Your, your life is a mess. And instead of getting bitter and stop serving, let's learn from Paul that even if I'm in Malta, I'm serving others. You ever heard people say, I'm going to take a season. I'm taking a season. A season of what? I'm taking a season off. Life is hard right now. I know. Welcome to what is called life. And I'm not going to let life and Malta stop me from being a blessing because there's blessing and brokenness. And so Paul is picking up woods and he's building a fire. Now the Bible says that he goes to put the last stick in the fire. And as he goes to put the stick in the fire, a snake jumps out and bites him. This is a movie. <laughs> Jerusalem. Caesarea, the hurricane, the shipwreck, the barbarians, cannibals, now a snake? Like, now I'm really quitting. Like, God, when is enough enough? A snake jumps out and bites his hand. A snake in the fire. Isn't it crazy? Sometimes when you're closest to God is when all kinds of snakes will come out in your life. Because the, the devil knows when you're getting close to the presence of God, when you're getting close to revival, when you're getting close to a life change, and he'll bring all kinds of snakes to bite you. The Bible says that a snake bit his hand. Now notice, the snake bit him where God wanted to use him most. Because it was that hand that Paul used to worship God. It was that hand that Paul used to write the letters that we read today in the New Testament. It was that hand that Paul was using to serve others and to build the kingdom of God. And sometimes a snake will come and bite you so that you stop serving God. What snake bit your hand that caused you to stop serving God today? 
Why have you stopped worshiping? What snake bit your hand that stopped you from lifting up your hands? Today, some of you, you're in here because a snake caught you. And you've stopped worshiping. You've stopped serving. You've stopped giving because a snake bit you. What snake stopped you today from doing all that God has called you to do? You let a snake stop bite you. You let a snake bite stop all that God wanted to do in your life. I'm offended. I don't like the way this person talked to me. I don't like the way the crew leader leads crew. I don't like the way they do dream team. I don't like the worship songs you're singing lately. I don't like any, I don't like this guest preacher they brought from Miami. He's loud. I don't like any of it. And you let a snake bite stop you. The Bible says the snake was hanging on to Paul. It's a feisty little demon. <laughs> hanging on. People see that and they see that a venomous snake bit Paul. And you know what they say? They say, we knew it. He was an evil man. He's a murderer. Because people are looking at what you're going through and how you're going to react. And people are fickle. People see that you lost your job, you lost your marriage. People see that all hell broke loose. And they're like, you see, God is not real. We knew it. Why'd you go to Life Code? You should never stop working. You should watch NFL with me. We were tailgating. It was amazing. Right? The Bible says that Paul, while the snake is hanging on, Paul shakes it off. That's a word for somebody today. There's a snake that bit you. And it stopped you from serving. It stopped you from building. It stopped you from worshiping. It stopped you from moving forward in God's plans and call for your life. But this morning, God brought you in here to say, it's time to shake it off. Come on, tell your neighbor, shake it off. It's time for you to shake off that offense. It's time for you to shake off that thing. It's time for you to shake off that resentment. It's time for you to shake off that bitterness. Come on, shake it off, shake it off like Taylor Swift and start to worship your God and start to give him glory and say, this will not stop me. If God is for me, nothing can stand against me all the days of my life. I came to worship God even with a snake hanging on. Shake it off. He threw it back into the fire when they saw that he didn't die. You know what people said? He's a God. He's awesome. He's a God. Because people are looking at your life. And people are fickle. That's why don't let people's opinion of you validate what God has already said. God has anointed you. God has called you. And you're waiting on validation from somebody on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok to like you or to follow you. You already got validation. It's the kingdom of heaven. His hand is upon you. He called you. He anointed you for such a time as this. Don't let anybody validate what God already spoke. People will like you one day and hate you the next. Shook it back in the fire. And people are like, I can't believe it. They were in Malta for about a week or two. People started bringing the sick people to Paul and said, you are God. Pray for people. He's like, I'm just a man. And he starts praying for people and people start getting healed. Three days later, three days later, they come to Paul and they say, Paul, here's the governor of the island. His name is Plubius. If you're pregnant today, it's an awesome name for your baby, Plubius. <laughs> Plubius' father is sick. Can you go pray for his father in his home? And it says that Paul goes to the, to the man's home and it says that when he gets to the house, the Bible says in Acts chapter 28 that Paul stretches his hand and heals Pluvius' father. The same hand that the serpent meant to stop is the same hand that God uses to bring glory to his kingdom. 
I came to tell somebody today, you've been through offense, you've been through abuse, you've been through bitterness, you've been through resentment. I know a snake bit you, but if you can just shake it off, that's the same hand, and God will use the scars in your life to bring glory to his kingdom. It wasn't meant to kill you. It meant to bring you stronger. It meant to make you a man of God and a woman of God. If you can shake it off, you'll see that those scars is what's going to give God glory. That scar, it didn't meant to take you out. That snake was not meant to kill you. It was meant to make you stronger. Today, you thought that snake bite was supposed to stop you. There's been a snake hanging on. Shake it off. Because that same problem becomes a platform for God's glory. The same hand that the snake bit is the same hand that God uses to heal other people. The things that you've been through, they did not happen by coincidence. What you've walked through, what you've, what you've faced, it's not a coincidence. God will use that so that other people hear about his glory, his grace, and his goodness. There's growth in the storm. There's revelation in the shipwreck. Third and finally, there's strength in the snake bite. Shake it off. Shake it off. There's people here this morning. You've allowed the snake to stop you. You've allowed the serpent to stop your worship, to stop your confession. You've allowed the snake to cause your hand to let go of God's word, God's promises. Today, I want to tell you, shake it off. Shake it off. Pick up the stick and keep serving. Stretch out your hand and keep healing. He wants to use you in ways that you can't imagine. And what was supposed to kill you only came to make you strong. Three days later, the hand that was struck is that hand that heals. You know what this story reminds me of? There's another man that three days later God used as well to crush a serpent. The Bible says that there was a man named Jesus. Come on, some of you know exactly where I'm going. And at the age of 33, a serpent bit him in his heels, what the Bible says. In other words, they grabbed him. They threw him on a cross. They thought they were murdering him, but he was laying down his life. But the Bible says that Jesus knew that there was a promise over his life because all the way in the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, the Lord said, the serpent will strike your heel, but you will crush his head. So Jesus says, oh, he may strike me for a little bit, but I got a promise from God that this isn't the end of the story. The Bible says that Jesus died on that cross, went down to a grave, but three days later, come on, my Jesus, he resurrected from the dead and he crushed the head of the serpent. I want to tell you today that the enemy is defeated. The the serpent has been crushed. God is for you. God is with you. You can stand in praise. You can stand in victory. You can believe that my God, he's on your side. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. I want us to stand up on our feet all across this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I sense God wants to heal some people in this room today. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you've walked through. You let a snake bite stop you. You've stopped serving. You've stopped believing. You've stopped having hope. Your faith has gone down because exterior circumstances got on the interior of your soul. There's healing today in Jesus' name. Come on, with every eye closed, every hand raised. Come on, I know the Holy Spirit is in this place. He's a good father. He loves you. Come on, you're in the right place at the right time. There's a God who's for you. There's a God who's with you. Oh, it's not a coincidence that you walked in here. There's a God who's for you. And this morning, he wants to heal you. This morning, he wants to help take that snake bite out. He wants to heal your heart, heal your soul. And he's telling you that same area where the snake bit you is what I'm going to use to get glory out of your life. Today, he wants to heal some people from resentment, from bitterness, 
from offenses of the soul. The Bible says, don't let a root of bitterness get in your heart. I know you've been through some storms. I know the boat fell apart. And I know a snake came and bit you. But this morning, through the power of the Holy Spirit, shake it off in the name of Jesus. Shake it off. The Holy Spirit will help you. When our strength runs out, his strength begins. In fact, the Bible says, when I'm weak, he's strong. It's not based on your strength that you overcome the serpent. It's based on his strength. Father, I pray that you heal people this morning all throughout this auditorium in Jesus' name right now. People who've been holding on to the venom of the snake, people that have been holding on to bitterness, people that have been holding on to resentment, they know they have a calling over their life. God, some of them, they know the word that you've prophesied over their life. Some of them, since they were young, a word has been spoken over their life of how you were going to use them for ministry, how you had a calling over their life, but a snake bite has stopped the call of God over their life. But today you say it is over. It is done. The snake has been defeated. Bring healing into this room in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that you heal every heart every mind, every soul. In Jesus' name, you are the healer. You are the redeemer. You are the restorer. You are the God that nothing is impossible for you. And I pray that you bring healing in the name of Jesus, boldness in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Heal, deliver, heal. Somebody's getting healed right now in Jesus' name. You have thrown in the towel on the dreams that God has given you. I just sent to my heart, I don't know who this is for, but there's somebody in here, you had a vision over your life. God had given you a clear vision of how he was going to use you. I think you even wrote it down. And something caused you to stop having faith in that vision. Something caused you to stop believing the vision. But today God says, I, I want you to pick it up again. I called you since you were in your mother's womb. I've set you apart as a prophet to the nations. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. I'm with you all the days of your life. Believe again. Dream again. Have vision again. Have faith again. Healing in the name of Jesus. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, I'm giving the mic to Edda right now, but if you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I don't know Jesus. I feel far from God. I feel distant from God. If you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I don't have a relationship with this God that you're talking about. You don't know what I've done. I've done so many things. There's no way that God can love me. I want to tell you, you're right. But the Bible says all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. There's not one perfect person in this place. Our sin separates us from God. But God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came and he grabbed all of my sin. He grabbed all of your sin. The Bible says he carried the sins of the world on his shoulders, went up on a cross and Jesus died for the sins of humanity. He went down to a grave for three days, and after three days, he resurrected. Jesus is alive. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, in a moment of prayer, in a moment of privacy. If you're here today and you say, Alex, I need Jesus. Alex, I need forgiveness. Alex, I need a brand new beginning. I want a brand new start in my life. I'm tired of sinning. I'm tired of the life that I've been leading. If you're in here today and you say, Alex, I want a new start with every eye closed, with every head bowed, I would love to pray for you. I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to give you a mic. We're not going to embarrass you, call you out. In fact, just hold it up for a few seconds and you can put it right back down. Every eye closed, every head bowed, the church praying. If that's you, if you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus, I need forgiveness. At the count of three, lift up your hand. One, two, 
Three, raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. I see you, God bless you. I see you, God bless you. I see you, God bless you. I see you, I see you, I see you, God bless you. I see you, God bless you. I see you, God bless you. Amazing, awesome, awesome, awesome. Anybody else, you raise your hand. Praise God. You can put your hands back down. Let's say a prayer together. I'm gonna say this prayer out loud and I want you to repeat with me. My prayer doesn't save anybody. It's faith and trust in Jesus. I'm just saying this first prayer to help you out. Come on, repeat after me, the whole church in one loud voice. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today on, I'm saved, I'm healed, and I'm forgiven. Amen.